Okay, let me check Instagram just one more time. Well, maybe I got an email. I haven't checked for like 10 minutes. Well, now I need some water. I only have half a glass. Let me go downstairs and fill up my cup. And stretching, you know, that would be good right now anyway. Whew, that break took a lot longer than I planned. You know, it's not my fault. My husband was working outside, so I got sucked into pulling some weeds while talking to him. And, well, then I decided I needed to make a snack. Oh, jeez, I totally forgot to actually fill up my water grass. Let me head back downstairs to actually do that. Okay, I'm back at my desk. Well, before I start writing, let me check Instagram one more time. Oh, I mean, an email. It's been like another 10 minutes. I might have missed something. This is me trying to write this podcast episode. Avoidance, procrastination, all part of the process, I guess. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. All this month, we're talking about avoidance and anxiety. Avoidance and anxiety go hand in hand, but not how you think. Today, I want to talk about avoidance and high-functioning anxiety, while also giving you some insight into high-functioning anxiety versus low-functioning anxiety. One of the sentiments I hear most often from clients when I describe high-functioning anxiety is, oh good, I'm not the only one, or finally, that makes so much sense, I'm so glad I'm not alone. So in that spirit, if you struggle with anxiety, I'm hoping this episode will help you feel less alone. When we have anxiety, we build up coping skills, sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy, in response to the anxious feelings inside. If you have anxiety, you might feel a sense of dread, worry, lots of self-doubt, insecurity, and a sense of vigilance and overwhelm. That anxiety is how you see the world. It is a part of you and something you deal with. How you respond to that anxiety is important. You might be someone who is high-functioning, which means in the face of anxiety, you push yourself harder and faster. You take on more responsibility. Go at it alone. Engage in perfectionism and people-pleasing and hustle, hustle, hustle. In a sense, trying to outrun your anxiety. If you're someone who responds to your anxiety by low functioning, you tend to freeze in the face of anxiety. You hunker down, become more passive, and rely more on other people. As a reminder, one is not better than the other. In fact, as with most coping mechanisms, whatever is your response is usually what you shame yourself the most for. High-functioning people wish they could settle themselves down, and low-functioning people wish they could propel themselves forward a bit more. Whether your response be high-functioning or low-functioning, both cause us pain and leave us feeling crappy. It's important to know the difference between the two responses so you can recognize your anxiety through your behaviors. Many people, when they think of anxiety, they think of the traits of low-functioning anxiety. They don't realize that the hustling, pushing, going it alone, perfectionism, and people-pleasing is actually a result of anxiety. So in showcasing these two reactions to anxiety, I want to help you see where your anxiety might be coming out and how you can take action to help it. Then there is another separation of anxiety, chronic anxiety versus acute anxiety. Acute anxiety is in response to a stressor, a big deadline at work, a sickness in the family, or a massive worldwide pandemic. All cause acute anxiety, whereas chronic anxiety is ongoing. I have chronic anxiety, which means on a daily basis, I deal with anxiety. It's always there, and through coping skills, I can keep it controlled. It's similar to having a chronic health condition, like diabetes or arthritis. It's always there, and it might flare from time to time. 
So in times of high stress, such as living through a worldwide pandemic, those with chronic anxiety have their normal everyday anxiety and then throw in some extra anxiety about the world as we know it changing. It's the difference between having pain in your legs because you overdid on your workout and having joint pain in your knees on a daily basis. And all this month, we've been talking about avoidance. Again, avoidance looks different for those who have low-functioning anxiety and those who have high-functioning anxiety. People with low-functioning anxiety are very aware of their anxiety. For the most part, they know they're anxious and what they're anxious about, and they will ruminate on that stressor and worry about it. Their avoidance shows up in being passive, avoiding the stressor, procrastinating on the stressor, and even sabotaging their own success. To quiet the nonstop ruminating, they might overdrink or eat a pint of ice cream. They will obsess over social media to escape from their own worries. Many of my clients high function in the face of anxiety, and their anxiety is chronic, meaning it is with them all the time. They might experience more anxiety during stressful situations, but for the most part, anxiety is a part of their being. For people with high-functioning anxiety, avoidance looks very different. Many people with high-functioning anxiety are completely unaware that they're experiencing anxiety. They know something is off, they know they feel unsettled, but rather than facing that unsettled feeling, they push on harder and faster. The more anxious they feel, the more they hustle and avoid those feelings. If you ask someone with high-functioning anxiety what they were anxious about, they probably couldn't tell you with any specificity. Whereas someone with low-functioning anxiety could tell you exactly what they're anxious about. Someone with high-functioning anxiety isn't avoiding the stressor, they're avoiding themselves. So they will use alcohol, food, spending, social media to numb out as well, but it's not to numb the feelings, it's to settle themselves after pushing so hard. So in order to relax, they will engage in numbing activities. Both types use all the things we discussed this month to avoid, but for very different reasons. Low-functioning anxiety is numbing because they're so tired of feeling, and high-functioning anxiety is numbing because they're so tired of pushing. As Andrea Owen said about her drinking and anxiety in episode 130, that when it rolled around to 4 o'clock and her anxiety had been building all day, even if her intention was not to drink, she couldn't handle it without a drink. Knowing where you fall allows you to know how to cope better with your anxiety. Because I help people with high-functioning anxiety, my work is around building self-loyalty, getting in touch with your feelings, building a relationship with yourself, and quieting the monger who is telling you to go, go, go. If you have low-functioning anxiety, help would come from learning how to move through your feelings and not get stuck in them. Mindset work and shifting your ruminating thoughts and worries. I just cannot express enough how figuring out the difference between these two responses of low functioning and high functioning has been such a game changer for my life and my work. For so many years, I tried to treat my anxiety with low functioning anxiety tools. They just made it worse. Shifting my mindset and pulling myself away from my feelings was not what I needed. It was the opposite of what I needed. Once I realized that treating anxiety for someone with high-functioning anxiety involves totally different tools, everything shifted for me and my clients. And because those of us with anxiety love to have everything in black and white and tied up in a neat box, I want to caution you that these two definitions of high-functioning and low-functioning are on a continuum. There may be times you use coping skills that are high-functioning, and there may be times you use coping skills that are low-functioning. People tend to have a preference, but it isn't an either-or scenario all the time. 
So back to avoidance, because I really want to continue to pull apart these two methods of functioning when it comes to avoidance. Avoidance is part of both types. It just shows up in very different ways. Here's an example. It's a simple example. You're given an assignment at work to present on a new project you just started in front of the entire office. With low-functioning anxiety, you immediately freak out. Your response to this fear is to avoid the project altogether. You procrastinate on the task, putting it completely out of your mind because whenever it comes up, you're on the verge of a panic attack and you just can't face it. You may, in fact, sabotage the task in some way. When you do start working on it, you miss deadlines and only do the task with a half-hearted attitude. Putting all your energy into it is just too scary. So two days before the presentation, you're lamenting to a coworker about this project. And so they, probably someone with high-functioning anxiety, jump in to take over for you and rescue from having to present at all. These avoidance behaviors are not necessarily based on conscious choices, but in response to an underlying fear of being judged, humiliated, or exposed as a fraud. For those with high-functioning anxiety, you also have avoidance behaviors in response to an underlying fear of being judged, humiliated, or exposed as a fraud, but it shows up very differently. Your monger is loud. You know you're going to fail and let them down, so you procrastinate until the last minute. But you're driven by this fear of failure. You let the idea percolate in your head. You work around the idea. You get your desk all ready. You research the right way to use the technology or see if there is actual research on the project you're working on. And at the very last minute, you start actually working on the presentation. Once you get your butt in the chair, you work your butt off. Getting every detail right, you go above and beyond the call of duty. The morning of the presentation, feeling like a fraud, you grab for a couple of extra donuts and pour yourself an extra large coffee with cream, because you deserve it, after all. The carbs don't help, and as you step up to the presentation, you feel like you might just puke. But you can't run now. What would people think? So you step up on the stage, and almost as if you are channeling a professional speaker, you take control of the situation and pull off an amazing presentation. You walk off the stage, your coworkers are congratulating you, but you can't take the praise because you just keep thinking of all the ways you did it wrong and could have done it better. You escape to your office, exhausted, depleted, and almost on the verge of tears. With high-functioning anxiety, you do the actual task. You run toward the thing that is most scary, but the avoidance strategies come in very different ways. You avoid feeling anything about the task. You avoid being fully present around the project. You avoid owning your success. Because your anxiety and your monger are telling you that if you do face anything, you will be exposed for the fraud you are. Because we're living in an extremely high anxiety time, I would be missing something if I didn't use this time as an example. During the past few weeks, clients have said they're feeling out of control, fearful of the unknown, and full of insecurity and doubt. And here are some of the ways low-functioning anxiety and high-functioning anxiety have shown up during this worldwide pandemic time. If you are having low-functioning anxiety, you might be having a hard time concentrating. So giving yourself an out about working too hard, leaving the groceries and other tasks to the rest of the family, you're going back and forth between oversleeping and undersleeping, probably have your days and nights even confused having a hard time doing anything other than obsessing about the news while curled up on the couch or going days without watching the news while binging Netflix curled up on the couch. If you have high-functioning anxiety, you've probably been overworking, even though you're having a hard time focusing, over-planning, obsessing about the groceries, focusing on homeschooling perfectly, forcing yourself to constantly be doing, 
being creative, trying something new, using this time to be beneficial. You might have trouble sleeping, but you're jumping out of bed to make sure you're using the time productively, sticking to the schedule as much as possible, and beating yourself up when you fail to stick to it. Looking outside of yourself for the right way to do this and obsessively reading articles on what to do and how to feel. And both of these types might use food as a numbing tool. As Erica Drury, the dietitian and nutritionist, explained in episode 128, you might be overwhelmed or you're avoiding a difficult conversation or a feeling that you don't want to feel. So you move to food. You know what works for both types of anxiety? Awareness and kindness. The very nature of high-functioning anxiety is avoidance. Avoiding our feelings, avoiding what's really going on, looking outside of ourselves for answers and wisdom. Again, the reminder that one way is not better when it comes to coping with anxiety. People who appear high-functioning can be in distress in the same way that people who are low-functioning can be. One is not more healthy. They're both simply responses to anxiety, and avoidance is a huge part of both. Those of us with high-functioning anxiety have been taught that our quirky behaviors, our overarching need for control and doing it right, are because we're high-strung or type A. And that might be true. And for many of us, those behaviors are a sign of something underneath that is way more debilitating, an overwhelming feeling of being found out as the fraud we feel inside. It is a carefully constructed house of cards designed to appear solid and strong, but in reality is consumed by doubt and insecurity. The one theme in all the podcast episodes this month, from money to social media to alcohol to food, was until we stop avoiding and pretending we have it all together, we won't heal. The first step in the healing process is looking ourselves in the mirror and saying, I see you. I get it. Let's lay it down for a few seconds. Let's put down the hustle, the appearance, the I got this. Let's be kind. Let's admit we don't have it. And that is okay. Here we are, week seven or eight of quarantine. I've, I've lost count. And there are still so many unknowns. And most definitely, there is no right way to deal with this. Trust me, I have tried to find it. During this extraordinary long-term crisis, the normal high-functioning anxiety coping mechanisms, hustling, pushing, overachieving, and powering through, they're just not sustainable. We have to give our bodies and mind a rest. The catch is that is the last thing people with high-functioning anxiety want to do. One of the ways to ease our anxiety and the pressure of being surrounded by family is to talk to someone. Yet, I know for many of my clients, finding the time and space to do a 60 or 90 minute session on video, although fantastic, isn't doable, which is why working through Voxer is so amazing. During this time, I'm offering a mini version of my Voxer work called Coach in Your Pocket, Just Checking In. Nothing too intense, nothing too coachy, just a chance for you to vent, talk about what's most pressing and have a neutral third party on the phone. Rather than a three month commitment to completely regroup on your anxiety, Coach in Your Pocket Just Checking In is a simple monthly program geared to help you stay sane during this time. Voxer, which is an app you can download to your phone for free that allows you to record a message to me and I'll respond to you during my office hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Over the course of the 30 days, you have access to me anytime you're feeling anxious, having a monger tech, celebrating a win, or just need to vent. Over the past month, every one of my current clients has expressed how grateful they are to have Voxer available to them to check in as often as they need. One of my clients said, I can't imagine going through this time without being able to check in. 
Thank you so much for having this service. It provides a lifeline for me in the midst of anxiety and fear. There is hope if you struggle with high-functioning anxiety, even during a pandemic. Intrigued? Email me, nancyjane at live-happier.com, and we can talk. Again, reach out at nancyjane at live-happier.com. Do you know someone who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them a link to the show website, live-happier.com backslash, or encourage them to listen via Apple Podcasts or Overcast for Apple phones or Stitcher and Google Podcasts for Androids. For those with high-functioning anxiety, we can feel so alone and asking for help is hard. Hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend, so don't underestimate the power in sharing. 